You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to getlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to getlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at getlatka.com. Shipyardapp.com is a SaaS that helps you move data between Snowflake and Google Sheets. Uh, they got launched in 2020, doing $12,000 a month today in revenue. 12 people on the team, totally bootstrapped, which we love as Blake scales down here in Austin, Texas. Hey, folks. My guest today is Blake Burt. He's the co-founder and CEO of Shipyard, the quickest way for data teams to launch, monitor, and share workflows. Formerly, he's the head of data for PMG Digital Agency. He led end-to-end data strategy for brands like OpenTable, Travelocity, Sephora, and Gap, scaling marketing efforts through algorithms and automation. Blake, you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So Shipyard, a low-code data workflow automation. Give us a customer story. How's someone using you today? Yeah, so uh, customers uh, ultimately end up using us for like three main purposes. They're trying to move data between various systems that they have on hand. They're trying to set up Give data. Give an example, like two, what, what two systems? Yeah, so it could be from your database like Snowflake to Google Sheets. It could be something from like Amazon S3 to uh, Google Drive or something else like that. We build out hundreds of integrations with various tools that people use so that they can easily move that data. Um, but it's more than just uh, moving data. That's what people typically use us for initially, but they might set up like data alerts so that they can know um, uh, in Slack or an email if something's gone wrong with their data, or maybe if there's like particular customers in their sales file that they need to look at. And then we also have people using us for things like uh, deploying machine learning models and uh, evaluating the data, scoring leads, um, uh, scoring uh, internal customers and and that sort of thing. So we're a wide net uh, orchestration platform that allows people to mix and match low code and uh, uh, their own code together in order to solve these sort of problems with data. You get this all the time and my audience will be wondering it. So I'm going to ask people are going to say, oh, this feels like MuleSoft or Zapier. Is this enterprise Zapier with alerts? Yeah. So the way that we sometimes uh, sell ourselves is that we're a Zapier for data. Um, Zapier and uh, other tools, they focus a lot on if this and that logic. They do things that are very specific for one row and reacting to it. For us, it's more about d- bulk data processing. Um, so being able to handle gigabytes to terabytes of data and process and move that data between systems. Um, those other tools just aren't quite built for uh, that sort of like process. And we wanted to make sure that we could bring a best-in-class tool specifically for data professionals. Um, to be able to do their jobs more effectively. That makes tons. I can't wait to hear how you price this. What's the average customer paying per month? And do you tie it to number of calls or usage or seat-based or product upsells? How do you price? Yeah, so right now our uh, median um, amount per customer is going to be about 400. Um, In general, the way that we price, yeah, per month. Um, And that's something where we're pricing uh, totally based on usage. Uh, So it's, it's a mix of user seats plus like the runtime. Um, that people actively have in the application itself. Um, so for us, it's a very sticky product where people come in um, and they're usually not leaving. Hold on, Blake, you got to quantify or, that. When you yeah, say yeah. sticky, <laughs> how, how, how low is churn? Uh, churn is about 1%. Um, we're not seeing people leave very often. That's monthly or annually? Uh, monthly. Okay, and that's gross or net? Uh, gross. Gross. Do you have upsells? 
uh, we do have upsells within the uh, product itself. So um, it, it's something where um, like there are additional abilities to like extend how much uh, access you have to logs or version control. Do you get API access and things like that? Um, and we're working towards figuring out how to enhance uh, like security measures and things like that, because for the larger customers, um, they are typically wanting um, they are typically wanting additional features like audit logging, the ability to control uh, MFA, single sign on uh, and good stuff like that. So how would you rate yourself on your your sales team's ability to upgrade historical accounts today? Can they upsell more than 12 percent to make up for the 12 percent churn annually? Yeah, so um uh, currently, um, we're not as focused on like upselling, uh, the, the clients as much internally. Um, a lot of it for us is still a uh, new customer acquisition. And for us, it's also, um, more about making sure that people are having the right sort of experience. So they are continuing to use the product and growing it that way. Um, we do see ourselves naturally scaling without necessarily needing a internal, uh, sales motion for people that have already signed up for the, uh, application. Have you quantified that? Can you look for people that signed up a year ago and say they naturally upsold because their usage increased? Uh, sorry, can you repeat that? Yeah, can you quantify your expansion revenue? That's no touch because people signed up a year ago, their natural usage increased, and then they obviously pay you more because of that. So upsell revenue is 3% or expansion was 4%. Yeah, so generally what we're seeing on our side is um, that people are growing their usage by about like 10 to 15% uh, roughly on a monthly basis. Um, so they're continuing to grow things uh, that way. Does that directly correlate to more revenue for you? Your expanding accounts 10% monthly? Yes, that does. That's crazy, Bill Blake. You're, you're on average, like your expanding accounts 10% or those are your outliers. They, they, they are expending by 10%. But the thing is, we start very uh, low in terms of pricing. Um, uh, for us, it's more about being able to get people in the door, being able to solve problems. And so the 10% is going to be minuscule at the lower levels. It does I slow see. down, of course, uh, as um, some of the customers are growing at like higher and higher rates. Of course, uh, for anything that is dealing with cloud usage or runtime, people are actively trying to figure out how do we like scale back the usage as much as possible. But they find more exactly. use cases, it still ends up growing. Now that we understand where the company is today, give us the backstory here. When did you launch the business? Yeah, I uh, launched the business back in 2020, um, right before the pandemic. Uh, so initially, the stages of acquiring customers and everything else was a little bit more uh, tenuous as people didn't want to try out anything, but it gave us a good amount of time to make sure that we could hone in a focus uh, and that we could um, build the best product um, once we knew that things were going to come out uh, uh, on the other side much better. Were you quitting PMG or, or, or where were you like, why, yeah. where did you experience this problem? We have a very unique kind of uh, backstory where uh, we were solving a lot of problems at PMG um, with internal technology um, where we were doing things like automating bids, automating budgets, ad creation, um, turning things on and off based on inventory files and stuff like that. And uh, we were templatizing this to be able to run it across all of the like Fortune 1000 clients that PMG worked with. And we realized that there were much larger use cases than just the marketing side um, for all the data and the automation that we were putting in place. And so Shipyard is actually the uh, like child product of something that was built at PMG. Uh, we ended up splitting things off um, and spinning the technology out on its own to focus on a totally different sort of uh, ICP of your typical data engineer, analytics engineer, uh, and everything else there. Because we felt like with the massive amount of growth in the data ecosystem, that was something that we wanted to make sure we could capitalize on and help those teams um, be able to build workflows more effectively. A couple of years from now, you sell for 500 million bucks and PMG goes, wait, that was that Blake guy that worked uh, during a PMG on that code that he didn't spun out. We own a chunk of that. Let's send him a letter right now since we just read the Wall Street Journal article and make sure we get our 10% cut. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, so they, they do have a, um, a stake in the company. Can't disclose, uh, specifically what that is. Um, but we're part of now a larger, um, parent company, uh, called Momentum. Um, it was internally grown, but it is multiple different sister companies that are in the data technology and uh, marketing space. What's Momentum's website? Momentum.com. Oh, interesting. Is this sponsored by PMG? It's like their startup, their venture lab sort of. Uh, yeah, it, it is. It is something. Um, it, it's less specifically PMG. It's now its own um, uh, separate entity. Uh, but it is multiple different sister companies um, that are all operating under one uh, umbrella. Oh yeah, this is Cadi um, Search Discovery. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay, interesting. So, how does? I mean, do you still feel like a founder though? Like, do you own the majority equity of the company, or are you just basically like a paid CEO that you know makes a lot of money but only owns five percent? Yeah, I, I definitely still feel uh, like a founder. Um, I'm not like too subject to various like regulations on uh, their side. In fact, um, it's something where there's a lot of operational freedom um, still to okay. uh, to be able to maneuver however you need. That's nice. That's nice. Okay, so you get going in 2020. When did you tell me the story of your first customer? Yeah, um, honestly, our first customer was totally organic. Um, uh, it was something where we had all the website content out there um, and uh, were able to solve a very specific problem. It was a consultant for um, a company called uh, Rental Wheel. Um, they uh, help people uh, like get spinners or different wheels for uh, their cars. Um, he just needed a quick solution to be able to uh, get something up and running for their team. Um, and uh, that was our first customer and they are still a customer today. Um, so uh, that's something where, uh, again, the land that explain, uh, span approach worked. That consultant is no longer there, but the company is still using us to automate their data workflows. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So how many current customers today? Yeah. Um, so currently uh, we have about 1600 uh, users of the platform. Um, we have about uh, 30 um, paying customers on our side right now. So, and I guess, tell me how you think about that. Do you spend a lot of time thinking about 1600 to 30 conversion rate? Yeah. Um, so we don't think about it. I, some of those uh, customers, like we we look at usage internally to try and verify which people are using us the most that are going to be like a high uh, sales opportunity. Sometimes it's for like little one-off projects. Um, ultimately, uh, like as a product that has kind of a freemium model, uh, our purpose behind that is that a lot of our competition in the data orchestration space is actually open source software that is trying to sell uh, cloud-hosted solutions. And so when you can use those things for free and do a proof of concept that way. We want to make sure that we're equitable as people are trying to do proof of concepts. So um, the conversion rate there is um, something that we're still actively um, working on um, figuring out how to increase even more. Blake, can I take the 30 customers times the $400 ARPU you mentioned earlier? It would put you around 12 grand a month in MRR? Uh, that would be roughly correct. Yeah. Okay, that's great. And so, and then where were you exactly a year ago so we can calculate growth? Uh, I do not know that number off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's probably going to be a very large growth number because you're just getting going. But yeah. I mean, it could, did you have any customers in July of 2022? Uh, yes, we did. Okay, so you had you were post revenue at that point. Yes, we were. Okay, so first dollars of revenue. Then, like, I'm what I'm trying to get here. How much time did you spend developing this before your first customer? Did you go all the way through 2020 with no customers? It was pretty much an entire year of development. And so, even though it was an internal piece of technology, man, those things get so tied to like the existing business that you're trying to figure out how do we separate this? How do you have usability? Because it usually just be a page with a bunch of forms slapped on top of it. Those things won't fly in the market. So, <laughs> yep, yep, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. And how have you capitalized the business? Is it bootstrapped or have you raised? Uh, it is entirely bootstrapped. Oh, I love that. So no money from PMG when you spun out? 
Sorry, um, a, there is money directly from PMG, <laughs> but no investment from like uh, venture capital or anything else. Like that. I see, I see. Um, did PMG structure that as like, hey, here's the pre-seed round of X and we get preferential terms since you're spinning it out? Uh, not not exactly like that. It's uh, it's less of a like direct upfront model um, for the financing. And uh, because it's under the momentum umbrella, um, it, it's kind of handled and financed that way. I see, I see. Interesting. Does momentum take equity in the in the child companies? Uh, it depends. Um, I can't disclose like the exact uh, um, parts of that, but yeah, um, it it can vary there. Well, like, can my listeners apply to be become part of momentum like they could YC no. or these other firms? No. Okay, no. So it's just it's a holding company with Google, Facebook, Amazon, Adobe, Domo, Salesforce, and Microsoft as the partners, and it's invite only. Correct. Interesting. Um. Okay. Does the do you have an do you think you have an advantage by being part of momentum? And if so, what is it? I think the biggest uh, advantage is being able to have the like leverage and knowledge of uh, larger companies to help support you through things like, uh, in our case, security is a uh, big aspect. So, um, trying to make sure that we have the backing of a strong legal team that's able to work through issues, um, being able to um, have all the right things in place from a uh, like security framework perspective of SOC two um, and GDPR and CCPA. Um, for SOC 2, uh, we used uh, Weaver for the audit. Weaver, interesting. Well, why'd you use Weaver over like Vanta? Uh, Weaver, um, that's uh, it was just the auditing firm that we used. Um, we didn't have an existing technology in place uh, to help put together all the materials um, for uh, the audit. Um, however, we are uh, actively uh, in talks with some of those tools in order to be able to help accelerate the framework growth in our side. You did it the hard way. You did it all manual. We did it the hard way initially. Oh yep. my gosh. I can't imagine. Okay, that's a lot of time as a startup CEO spent on like very boring data collection stuff. Yep. Uh, okay, well, you did it. You knocked it out. That's great. All right, uh, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book? Uh, it's It's got to be, I think, the five dysfunctions of a team. Um, yep. If I'm getting that title correct. Yeah, that's a good one. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Uh, not really. I've always had kind of a weird thing where I don't, necessarily like modeling what i do after others it's <laughs> trying to make sure that we can carve our own path so number three what's your favorite online tool for building shipyard um that's a great question i i'm probably gonna say webflow um uh, i've used it since the very beginning for building out the marketing pages and being able to scale out pages for new integrations and blueprints and solutions has been super helpful for us and it's still great to this day would you credit a lot of your SEO success to your ability to quickly launch these integration landing pages, which you feature in your footer? Absolutely. Um, it, it's definitely helped us scale quite a bit, and it's become one of our like key strategies in terms of customer yeah. acquisition. How many How many total are on the team today, full-time? Uh, 12 people. Okay, interesting. All right, uh, number four. How many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, maybe like six and a half, seven. <laughs> and <what's laughs> Try your... to get as much as I can. Yeah, yeah. What's your situation? Married, single, kids? Married. Any kids? No kids right now. All right. And how old are you? Uh, 30. Last question, Blake. Take us back to when you were 20. What's something you wish you knew? Uh, that it's a journey. Um, <laughs> that uh, nothing's going to just like happen super quickly. Nothing's going to work out exactly the way you want. Um, but really, most of the experiences that you have are all about like rolling with the punches, trying to figure out how you can make the most of what you have, and don't try and uh, like 
rush into things or expect uh, immediate results. Things take time. So, Guys, shipyardapp.com is a SaaS that helps you move data between Snowflake and Google Sheets. Uh, they got launched in 2020 doing $12,000 a month today in revenue. 12 people on the team totally bootstrapped, which we love as Blake scales down here in Austin, Texas. Blake, thanks for taking us to the top. Yeah, thanks so much.